Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, the Unity Project podcast is one about the relationships that we have with our bodies. Today, I got to interview my good, good friend, Chris Rodriguez. If you have followed along this podcast for a little while, you'll know that he is here for the second time today. And for those who don't know who he is, Chris is the host of a Soulful You podcast. Uh, he's a movement and life coach who helps his clients re-energize by making shifts in their daily rhythms to find confidence and alignment. I really enjoyed our conversation. It's actually one that I've been looking forward to for a while because before our first interview, Interview, I had a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask him and some of them were very important to me that I didn't get to ask because we just had so much to talk about. Uh, I think my favorite part of this podcast, excuse my puppy in the background, uh, she's attacking my scrunchie. The most important thing that I was really looking forward to talking to Chris about was just the conversation about uh, spirituality, religion, and how that has historically caused a lot of damage and a lot of trauma in the world of our relationships with our bodies. That's a really hard conversation to have. That's one that hits really close to home with me and with so many people that I know and love. Yeah, it was a really incredible opportunity because Chris is just someone who I have found to be a very safe person and one that I felt comfortable asking to talk about that with because he has his own history there and he's just a really good guy. So anyway, I loved our conversation. Uh, make sure to check out his podcast because he interviewed me. That will be out next week on the Soulful You podcast. I was so nervous because it's been forever since I've been in the interviewee seat. <laughs> I was super nervous, but I really loved talking with him in that interview as well. So go check out his podcast if you like this one and want to hear us continue to talk. My dear friend, Chris, I'm so happy to be talking to you again. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's so good to hear your voice. I love, uh, um, I love your uh, seven energy. <laughs> Thank just, you. Thank you. Yeah, it just, uh, it gives me energy, right? <laughs> the enthusiast. <laughs> I appreciate it, Chris. I'm so stoked to be talking to you again. Uh, we just did an interview a couple weeks ago on your new podcast, Soulfully You, which I'm super excited to talk about. Yes, yeah, and it was it was so good. It was it was it was fun for me to come full circle and say, "Hey, um, I'm doing this thing now because I've been yeah. kind of following following your lead and and seeing." watching the way you you did your podcast and I was like okay like let's 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 bring you on mine let's let's do this let's have some conversations where I can be curious about your journey right oh man that was so much fun and I'm so impressed by the work that you've done so far I think it's it's really awesome you seem like a very um very very self-motivated like you get this idea and you're just like gonna make it happen and I think that that's so cool yeah, you know, I uh, 
<laughs> I laugh because sometimes I just, you know, there is such, there's sometimes there's this fraud feeling in me um, where it's like, ah, oh, man, you know, this comparison, everybody else is just killing it a, a little bit more than me and um, they're doing all the things I'm not. And I, and I look at myself and I see all of, all of the self uh, criticism uh, in me. Uh, but then there's this point that it just kind of says where I kind of have to say to myself, all right, Chris, you know what you need out of life. You know what you need to be more yourself. And part of that is sharing ideas, um, that, that matter and, and helping people be more of themselves right so mm -hmm. that becomes a lot of the 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 driver for me um i think you know a lot of times when we think about like even intrinsic motivation right um it comes from inside of you but you know for me that thing that comes from inside of me is so connected to others mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially just knowing what I have learned about you over the past, oh gosh, how, when did we do our first, let me look really quick. I don't know, but it, we, we became pandemic <laughs> friends. Yeah, we became, <laughs> in the most pandemic-y way, we became friends through um, Instagram and then podcast conversations, yep. then real, then we made move forward and got numbers and are like, okay, we're going to meet up, we're going to double date. Yeah, um, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, I, all, all the things you're saying make so much sense for what I've learned about you since, I guess, March 8th, according to my podcast um, <laughs> date right here from when we put our first one out we were such babies that was so long ago i know like we you know we were before we started recording we were talking about how pandemic time is just a total different time frame it's just like oh it was mm -hmm. so so long ago but it feels like it was just like last week but uh yeah in covid time is not a thing anymore right <laughs> oh yeah oh my god so much happened so fast and you know i don't have a way to measure that right <laughs> i know oh my goodness chris well i'm i'm super excited to be touching base back with you and now then i guess especially regarding like relationships with bodies because you you've done a lot of work um our just by looking at your Instagram page, which I was doing all the snooping before we jumped on this call. Uh, I bet you've learned like so much throughout all the conversations you've been having with people on, on your show about their relationships with themselves, with their bodies in some kind of way, shape or form. Cause you talk a lot about um, soulful living versus shallow living, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you, what do you feel like you've learned in those conversations and just in your own time about your relationship with your body through that kind of lens. Yeah. So man, there's, there, there have been so many, um, so many interviews where I have to stop them, uh, and just kind of pause. I'm like, wait, 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 you're just, you're, you're saying something that is so intrinsically wise to yourself. Um, but I need to pause you because there's some there's some wells of of wisdom uh, in there. And yeah, I think about um, 
one of the most recent uh, interviews I did, the uh, feminist poet and publicist, Courtney LeBlanc, she's based out of the D.C., Maryland area. And she, I met her at a writing workshop um, and instantly fell in love with her poetry. And she's so, uh, the, what I love about her poetry is it's so visceral. Um, so she made this whole poetry book, um, this it's, I believe it's called this exquisite bloody beating heart. And it's, mm. it's all about your a woman's relationship with her body and her relationship with her body. And she goes all over the place. And I, and I asked her, I said, you know, it seems like, tell me about just, the stories around this because I don't know what's autobiographical and what's just kind of the creativity. And, you know, she she talked about these kernels of truth in, in her writing where she takes an idea and she kind of blows it up into, into something bigger, into a, a bigger metaphor. But she also read one of her poems about, uh, she has scoliosis and and she she wrote this beautiful poem and she read it on the podcast about her relationship with with uh, with her scoliosis and the discomfort that it does in her in her body. But she writes it as a love poem to all of the ways that scoliosis has uh, changed and put different types of tensions on her body. Wow. And. I mean. I just, that reframe, right? And mm -hmm. this is something that I've, I've seen of a lot of my, of my guests. They have these moments of pain. Um, and even, even you, we, this is, that's one of, that became one of the big uh, themes in, in our conversation. Mm -hmm. um, they have these moments of pain and they learn how to work that pain into something else. What my teacher calls it is metabolizing it into a workable energy, right? So uh, for her, it was it was writing poems about her experience with her body, right? And so that becomes one of the things that that I learn from my guests, and just as I'm working with this idea of soulfulness and, and shallowness, that there's a there's a story. Um, there's these there's these moments that happen and a lot of times they very much happen to our body or at the very least they make our bodies respond right and a lot of times the first response ends up being a more shallow one right the 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 fighting unfair the the withdrawals the the need to I have to protect myself at all costs um, but something happens where we where we have this beautiful ability to change that story and say all right this this story these things that happen to my body or, or that are happening through my body I can take that story and I can work with that story to make it something beautified um something sacred and and i can engage it with more soul yeah that's very cool is that is that kind of how you would describe 
soulful living versus shallow living? Yeah, so how I would describe soulful living is, I would say yes, in part, and then I, and then I would say, if you were to look at every area of your life, um, our political views, ideas of work, ideas of success, relationship with our body, relationships with others, spiritual practices, um, anything that is in your bucket of this is what makes me me. Um, what I describe soulful living and shallow living as is this idea of going so the shallow living would be like I am experiencing the ocean from the shore maybe I'll get my feet in uh, <laughs> and and you take that metaphor and you put it on maybe our politics right and um, it's like hey I, I'm 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 passionate about this thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to engage with it on my cell phone, on social media. Um, and that is how I'm going to bring change. And if you take that metaphor of getting into the, into the water, did you really get into the danger um, and the immersion of going deeper into that ocean, into a place where, hey, if I am not careful out here, I could lose my life for this, right? Yeah. Um, or did you stay in the safety of the shore, right? Um, a lot of times, the the shallow way is that is, is staying in the safety of the shore. Um, it's choosing to not give my my heart in a relationship. It's choosing to just um, you know I'm just going to do the minimum at at this work, and I'm going to get my paycheck, but I'm not going to develop my craft. I'm not going to mm. become an artist with the things that I do. So with the soulful living, I look at when you think about anything that you would say is soulful, right? There's usually some improvisation. There's usually an artfulness. At times there's a playfulness. There's a curiosity. There's this, this um, taking this object and, and playing with it and flipping it around and, and using it in different ways, right? Um, seeing a, a box and saying, not just what's inside this box, but how can we reshape this box? What are the other functions of this box? What is it like to be outside of this box? What are the things I experience inside the box? Uh, there becomes this nuanced way of seeing things versus this maybe black and white way of seeing things. So, so, so the soulful depth of engaging with our lives, being present in it, playing with it, curious about it, artful with it. This is what it means for me to live soulfully. Okay, that was such an incredible, an incredible way of describing that. I feel like, 
I feel like I really, really have a picture of what you're talking about now. And all I'm, I just, I keep thinking of this, this moment. I was on a road trip with a couple of my best friends and we went through Zion National Park. Mm, and my friend, yes. Lauren, <laughs> she was looking at how pretty everything was. And she was just like, we were all just like, obviously looking because we were in this car driving and we were just talking about how beautiful the, all the rocks and the trees and everything was. And she was like, hold on, I like have to be a part of it. And she got out of the car and she went like climbed on this rock and just hugged it and just laid there hugging the rock. She's like, how do I become a part of this beauty around me? And it was so funny because she was like climbing this rock, hugging, hugging this rock. But when you think about it, I was like, yeah, me too. Like it's just fully jumping in the ocean and risking it and living and Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And I, Zion is an amazing place. And, yeah. um, you know, when you drive into Zion, so the first, the, the one time I went to Zion, we were doing like this long 13 hour drive to get there. And we ended up getting there after dark. Mm. So it's like seven miles to like actually enter Z- yeah. Zion. And it's like, you can't see anything. No, <laughs> it's completely it's dark. Scary. You hear all these I, oh my sounds and you, you feel that danger. Okay, I am going somewhere else. And then the next morning we wake up and it's like Jurassic Park, you know. Oh uh, and it's like animals just walking in front of our campsite. But Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it, it was, I mean, it was wild. But I want to take that moment. How many times do we say, I want to experience this beautiful piece of nature that is bigger than ourselves and we pull out our little cell phone and say all right this is how i'm going to experience it i'm going to take a selfie here right and then we just make it all about the videos <laughs> but yeah. rather than being in the space you know mm-hmm. um yeah 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 so i love that like wait hold on I gotta, I gotta be in it. I gotta be in it. It's like, there's a, there's a book, um, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Um, oh my gosh. That's like, uh, oh, never mind. Sorry. Go on. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it, yeah, he, it, it's a, it's a philosophy book, but it tells the story of basically a motorcycle road trip. And he, you know, he's talking about you know, you got to maintain your bike yourself, (laughs) but you got to, you know, the whole life's a journey thing. But just this whole thing of why he likes riding, how he rides, they, they take the, they try to avoid as many of the main highways as they can. There's something about being on the bike with outside of the windows, right? Like with no windows on your, on your bike, like you are on a car that you experience it and you're out in it. Right. So I think about I think about that, how so many times where we're trying to experience things inside of this box, <laughs> whether it's the yeah. literal vehicle or the metaphorical box. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. I love this. How, how would you say then? How would you describe in terms of of your body and your relationship with it? How would you say, or what would it look like to live soulfully in your body versus shallowly in your body? Hmm. 
I'm pausing because I'm remembering what happened when you told me about your friend who said, I want to get out and experience this and be a part mm. of this. Um, and what the urge in my body was to do was to breathe it in. Right? I, I took a big breath when you said that. Um, and I felt it that way. Right. Um, for me, that's an example of being more soulfully in your body. This awareness of this is what's happening when things are happening. So things are happening out there. And what is that doing in me? Right. Where am mm -hmm. I feeling that thing that's happening? Do I have an urge to take a breath? Do I have a, a need for clinching? Is my body tensing up? Um, am I aware of these things? Um, am I aware of the shape and the texture of what's happening in me uh, while things are happening around me? So, maybe it's this idea of connection to all things, right? This, there's something working out there, um, and there's something working in here inside of me, um, and I have to reckon with both of those, um, but not in a way where I'm too engaged with what's happening out there and disengaged with, but with, with what's happening in me. Um, but not overly engaged in what's happening inside of me to the point of egocentricity, right? But to mm -hmm. see myself and to feel myself in the whole of it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel just peaceful hearing you say that. There's always like, like, okay, so so you talk about the Enneagram a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, so as you said before, I'm an Enneagram 7. Love it. It's so enthusiastic. Um, but I feel like there's this need and like urge in me to experience literally everything there is to experience in life. Like if I'm, I'll just use the Zion example. If I'm going through Zion, like how do I have it all? And it's like, I have this anxiety in my mind of like, I don't want to miss anything. Mm. Um, and so the idea of just how you're talking about just breathing it in is just like, it's really cool. And it's kind of, I want to say settling, but I feel like there's a better word. It just feels, it feels very, um, just like an exhale, just like a kicking off your shoes and sitting down and like getting home at the end of the day and being like, okay, I don't have to work to do this. I could just be here and experience it. And I just love it. That's, it's so, it takes a lot of stress away from me who thinks I have to like do all the stuff to experience everything and take it all in and be in my body when it's like I can just exhale and breathe it in and let it happen. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's very, very cool. I love 
I love looking at things through this lens. I've never really, I've never used this kind of language before um, yeah, being interviewed on your podcast. And it goes so well with everything that I hope to be able to talk about and express here. It just, using different language around it brings out these different ideas. It's, it's really cool. Um, so Chris, you, you were a pastor, you said, for how long? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a part of churches my entire life. Um, but yeah, for four years, actually. Four years. Um, okay. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was working with the college, uh, with the college age group. And, and it was one of those things where I had always been one foot in and, and one foot out, like, um, in the sense of, I always knew that there was something special about um, this thing that happens in churches and community, but that there's something special about this thing that happens outside of churches where I spend most of my time with people who may never come into a church. And, and I've always tried to keep my, keep my footing in both of those. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so even as I was, um, I was a pastor, I, I was, Go, I was still going into companies and teaching group exercise, uh, group dance classes. I was still doing my my coaching, um, yeah. And it was and it was something I was I was doing both. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. I I bring that up because um, as we chatted about before, uh, when I first interviewed you, there was this whole just topic and direction that I wanted to go that we didn't have, we didn't end up having time for. That I'd love to hear from you one. Because you feel like a very, very safe person and a very, just a person that I would trust. And I say that because um, I, along with a lot of people I've interviewed, and I'm sure people who listen to this and follow online have a lot of, which I know you're aware of, a lot of uh, like spiritual and religious trauma. And a lot of that is around... um, how we view our bodies, whether that's from purity culture or whether that's from mm-hmm. things like, uh, I don't know, just just anything about uh, like the dualism of our mind, our body being evil and our mind being good and yeah. how we have to like cut off the arm if it causes you to sin type of thing. Like, what would you say, I guess, in response to that kind of thing, how do you... I'm trying to think of the right way to ask this question. <laughs> like, like, what are your thoughts on that? And how would you talk to, like, if you were pastoring a group of kids and that was kind of the topic at hand, like, what would you say in regards to that? Hmm. Well, first of all, I, I, I do need to just kind of express, like, I, too, have experienced so much, so much, um, just um spiritual trauma um Mm. yeah and and honestly like i find myself even still unpacking things years later you know i i I grew up in the heyday of purity culture um yeah i mean we were doing the whole true love weights thing and um and yeah so coming full circle to seeing some of the standards that I 
one couldn't keep two it wasn't necessary (laughs) uh to keep and all of the shame that it brought out i i find myself seeing i'm 34 um i've done a lot of work in my own heart and and life and i still find myself every every few years um uncovering a new skeleton um you know un unwrapping a new wound so i I just want to say that that um that this is a process and uh and it's something that i I still work through yeah Um, no i appreciate you sharing that yeah but but that being said you know to to the answer of you know as a pastor what would you say well the first thing i would need to say is is i'm sorry like in a not in a way of i'm sorry that you feel that way i think sometimes we say that to people we're yeah. like oh i'm sorry that that i'm sorry that that um that you feel that way and it's this lack of ownership from 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 us and uh, church people or whatever the person that's that's offering that and it's not an empathetic way it's a um it's a pitiful way right like i I pity that you feel this way right and there's no Mm -hmm. dignity in that so when i say i'm sorry it's a i'm sorry from a i'm sorry that you were mishandled i'm sorry that you had to walk through that i'm sorry that somebody told you a lie um and when i say told you a lie i'm not talking about just the words um that they say i'm talking about maybe the actions that they did um that brought out what 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 religious um circles call the accuser the satan right Mm -hmm. um to to shame you to tell you that you are worthless to tell you that you're broken to tell you that you your starting point is defective and deficient that it that it's this I was born broken. I was born damaged. And that's untrue. That's a very untrue story. Um, But there are a lot of, a lot of orgs that, um, that base their, their whole view on it. And, and for generations have, have made people um, feel that way. And when you, when you feel defective when you feel broken and when that's the thing that's being presented to you as hey this is your baseline what are you gonna do you're gonna you're gonna go down that that road um the good uh the good church boy in me you know i got all this all the stories all the all the all those bible verses but there's this I think of like the, the the cripple and the leper that sit outside the gate, you know, because they can't go <laughs> in because they're um, impure, you know. Um, 
and how like radical it is to say, hey, you know, there, there's a miracle that happens and the leper gets gets up and walks walks with um, Peter and John into the temple and they're like, what the heck are you doing here? You're supposed to be outside because, you know, you're you're impure and and you're broken and you're defective and, and you can't be in our in our org in our organization. Um, and how radical it is for him to walk in. It's like, no, I, I'm, I'm not broken. I'm not defective. I'm, 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 I'm being made whole. Um, and I belong here. Right. Um, so that's, that's the, that's the, that's a long way of saying all the things that I, that I would say, but ultimately it comes down to you are worthy and um, there's nothing to be earned if we actually are the image of God the Imago Dei then there's no defect in that yeah that that's really cool I love I love what you said about the starting off point and how people are told like you start off defective like you start off broken and wrong and how you're born into this this curse and all these words around that i've never heard it phrased no oh, i've never heard it like pinpointed like that and it makes it makes a lot of sense because like i just remember in my yeah we didn't even get into this in my interview i, I almost did but i was all over the place when i was talking to you about all the different things um but i, went and I loved it. it i loved all of it <laughs> Yeah, oh my, I was, that goes to show that I am not used to being on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> I was like, let's talk about all this for an hour. Um, but uh, I had a phase, it was when I was around 19 or 20, but I was like the most trying to be perfect Christian church girl you could ever imagine. I was trying so hard. I was so in like so in and I remember because at the beginning of all that when I was 19 I had like I was kind of the community I was in was very like Calvinistic and very like um, mm -hmm. for those who don't know let me see if I can describe it um, really well how would you describe Calvinism um sorry I'm like throwing you the ball because I don't know yeah what to do yeah that. yeah and and I and I and I tread lightly in saying it, but essentially very, very, um, John Calvin was a lawyer. Uh-huh. Um, so his interpretation of scripture was very much in the form of legal terms, right? Um, so the, the, the veins that follow in his tradition um are very um right and and wrong and um and punishment uh oriented mm -hmm. um and then um it's very particular it's very um there's a there's a structure um and, and there's nothing wrong with structure, but it's a, there's a there's a very 
um, there's a very uh, narrow narrow box um, to live in. And then when I talk about, you know, you, you don't start at that debt, you don't start at that deficit, um, that is actually very, um, you know, Calvinists would call that like heresy, right? Like, yeah. what do you mean before you were in your mother's womb, you were, you know, you were a sinner, right? Yeah. Um, so it how you, when you kick that can down the down the road that becomes okay i want to be perfect because god is perfect so i'm going to do all the things to get me out of this ditch to get me out of this debt um and i'm going to be the most dutiful christian that i can be to maybe get in God's good grace because the other the other kind of catch 22 to it is like you know the whole predestination thing right like so it's like yeah. uh so God knows who is and he's chosen who's going to be in and who's going to be out from the beginning of time um you just don't know if you're in or you're out yet and <laughs> so um so keep you know keep digging yourself out of that out of that hole you know and maybe God chose you right so that is the yeah yeah see that thank you for um taking the ball and and explaining it for me because i was like oh my gosh i don't want to explain it wrong maybe chris will know um yeah you everything that you said brings back all of the memories yeah i um the community i was in was very much not not the whole community but the main like leader type people were very very much Calvinists and uh, the main guy actually I think I did get a little bit into this um, on my interview with you I keep saying that so people know to go listen to Chris's interview <laughs> or my interview on Chris's page uh, I appreciate talked- it <laughs> yeah for sure for sure I had a we had a great time um, but I think I I think I talked a little bit about the musician guy that I was working for um, yeah and he was a jerk. Yes. Just total jerk, um, but he was very much a Calvinist, and he, uh, it kind of became this distorted thing of like he would talk about the predestination thing and talk about how he's so surprised that he he's like I just I'm chosen I can't believe I'm chosen that means I'm predestined and like this person's probably not and that person's probably not and but I am and that means this is all part of the plan and and so he kind of what he would do is he would make these um, really big statements about like ways that he was being uh, emotionally honestly like just just really abusive towards me which I didn't I didn't really put the two together at the time but it was like unbelievably inappropriate relationship for a boss and an assistant and he would use spiritual language like all of these words about how it was but he would use he would use a lot of the language of like that kind of Calvinistic stuff of like well I'm chosen and this is part of God's plan and this is how God's like Mm Um, this is how he's showing himself to me and to you is through our relationship, he would call it, and like how it's just part of this plan that was because he knew the plan, obviously. Right. Like, this predestined because thing where Because there's always that one person that's special yeah. uh, oh, that yeah. knows the thing that nobody else knows. Right. Oh, yeah. 
Oh my gosh. And so like, just, oh, these, oh my goodness. There's so much to, to unpack there when it comes to, when it comes to like spiritual trauma, religious type stuff. And then when it comes to just like unhealthy or not unhealthy, but like abusive relationships and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But when you're using that kind of, that kind of uh, starting off point of like, you are bad, like you're saying, like you're starting off bad, you're broken, you are a sinner and you need this outside thing to make you not a sinner, but you in your natural state, you're bad. And so I like went through this heavy, heavy, just darkness of like, coming to terms with the fact that like oh i'm bad and i'm constantly wrestling like is this jesus's voice in my head or is the devil's voice in my head am i on the right path or am i not on the right path is what my boss saying true like am i supposed to be in this abusive relationship in order to be chosen and god's plan and stuff like it's all just this disconnection from what your body's actually telling you and it takes away all this trust from what your gut is telling you what your heart is telling you all the fight flight freeze anxiety depression like all that stuff is a sign that something's wrong it's like the canary in the coal mine type of thing but right when you're under that i guess umbrella of um in oh it's like discongruency uh yeah yeah um yeah hmm it's just like it's it's so toxic to your relationship with yourself and with your body and it just right well it's harmful <laughs> uh so, i mean so harmful and i i I have to stop because because my 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 head wants to go everywhere, right? My head yeah. I want to I want to follow the breadcrumbs to all the places where um people have used the name of God and um and a sharpened bible to destroy people's bodies. Um like physically destroy people's bodies or just cause people to disengage from their bodies because their bodies were bad um Mm -hmm. because their bodies weren't wise um hmm. there's two things uh that i know about those those kind of people um one is um that people know that invoking the name of God can give them anything that they want um because tribally right from that old ancient us that historical us and in in cultures um there has always been a historical either uh reverence um fear or or superstition 
of God. And and I say all those all those three, you know, as right, they, they have a different type of energy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So you can go to um, an indigenous group of people and, and tell them, hey, you know, <laughs> believe in uh, believe in God. Give us your land, you know, um, oh, gosh, or, yeah. or we're going to take it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can um, Hitler can go to uh, German pastors and quote a little scripture and teach some not all teach some that like hey um, God actually wants us to kill the Jews right um, yeah oh. right like th- these are the things that have happened in history um, uh-huh. you know KKK in America uh, during Jim Crow eras using the Bible to um, to to justify their hatred uh, towards towards bodies of color, um, and then destroying those those bodies. Uh, is that thing? So, like, one is people know that they can use God to try to manipulate people, but then two. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this stuff is grounded in this this idea of escaping, um, and this idea of becoming becoming the divine self um, versus versus remaining the experience um, the experiencing eating breathing living self right this becomes what a lot of people aspire to to do um but it's just not true it's not true to um it's not true to 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 the experience of of jesus christ it's not it's not true to the experience of of what's going on in our lives um Jesus was very embodied, actually. Um, you know, this whole, our whole story and 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 mythos is we is God became a baby, <laughs> became human. I love the uh, you know John one Eugene Peterson's message version. It says, um, and the word became human and moved into the neighborhood. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this idea of Jesus going to weddings and drinking wine with his people and they run out of wine and he makes more wine and this breaking and giving bread um, and the, the weeping Jesus, um, the the sad Jesus that got news that his. His cousin had died, so he went away um, to to grieve. Uh, the Jesus that said, "Hey, take this cup from me," um, and ultimately, this Jesus that like his body got broken and and beaten up, and he he experienced that, and he and he looked at that experience as a way of, "Hey, I'm gonna give up my body." 
um, because I love other bodies. This is a very in in me <laughs> uh, in this experience, in this touching, breathing, living experience, right? Um, mm-hmm. But so much of of what we get that that causes the the spiritual trauma. It says, "Hey, don't <laughs> actually don't experience. Um, no, experiencing is is bad, and living and um, and being in this stuff and being in yourself, uh, that's a bad thing." So then what do we do? We go, we go the opposite way. We overcorrect. We say, no, like we either um, submit to it and let it kind of destroy us and uh, dis- dis- uh, make us disembodied from ourselves. Or we go the opposite way and look for um, senses of control, look for other ways where we can just experience and have um, nirvana or you know um indulgence right like so we constantly find ourselves going back and forth between that tension of um how do i live with this this body that is mine and how do i love this body that is mine um and how do i live out love through <laughs> this body to others right mm. yeah yeah, that that's very, very, a very good way of talking about all of those things. I I like how you were talking about right or at the beginning of that, of how you were so tempted to go into all these different directions because there are so many directions. And I think you hit on really important ones. I, I'm reading, it's interesting, I'm reading this book. Um, so I'm Jewish and by ethnicity, not religion at the moment, I think. I'm learning a lot about it. I'm, like, mm. really in the, like, information, being a sponge type of mode of reading all of these books. And I am in the middle of reading this book about, specifically about anti-Semitism um, from uh, Christians. Mm. And reading it, it, like, oh, it's just, I mean, I don't have full, complete thoughts on it at the moment because I'm very, very new into the conversation. But what you said about... Um, if you put God behind something like, be like, this is what I think and God's on my side, so I'm right type of thing. And this is why and kind of twisting scripture or whatever they want to do to prove that. And it just, thinking about it in that way and in any little, like the idea of Hitler saying that to uh, pastors in Germany about like, hey, look at this Bible verse right here. Um, because it said this thing about how like, well, the Jews actually killed Jesus. It's their fault. So we're supposed to kill them. And like, just the idea of twisting that or twisting different verses to match like what mm-hmm. they want to say. And then seeing what that resulted in. Um, and then seeing like things now of like, like in pre- like all that stuff is still happening now. But right. when you look at, I guess, more, um, I don't even know what to describe them as but you look at things like um purity culture anything like that be like well this is what god's against and 
I think this is true, so this is proof, and this means that all these people are wrong, and bodies are evil and broken. Amen. Yeah, um, and then and then yeah. you get you get extra credit when you can get um, political power behind it, right? Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> because man. then you we because then there. because then now you have the capital and the um, legislation to to carry out your ideas. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that just opens the door for so many things to talk about. Um, yeah this this is a this is a big a big topic, and actually, like I love going way back full circle to the beginning of the conversation about like how you were talking about um, soulful. Or actually, I don't even think we were recording yet. This is before we were recording, and you were talking about activism and stuff, hmm. um, and about like soulful activism versus shallow activism. Um, and it just, I feel like before, before the, wow, honestly, before the pandemic, and you, I think you said this too, you said the pandemic kind of made versions of activists out of everybody. Yeah. Everybody, everybody became somewhat of an activist, right? Yeah. And it's like, I'm thinking before that, like I knew the tip of the iceberg of these topics and now I don't know what, I mean, I don't know if it's just the like, Hey, you're forced to stay home and like just experience everything and see everything and like you can't go distract yourself by going and doing all these things and going on these trips but you right. have to like look at the TV or read the news and see what happened um, but I have just become like such a deep diving sponge for information on all of this stuff and so I feel I always get that like imposter syndrome when having these kind of conversations just mm. to put that out there but they're super interesting and important to have so I appreciate you going there with me yeah I mean I think just in general one of the one of the things that I've seen and and I don't and what I'm about to say is something that might seem very judgmental, but the energy behind what I'm saying is in a, is in that energy of judgment. Um, so if you can hold this, so if we can all hold this statement without judgment, um, mm -hmm. there's things that we think we know that we don't. Uh, there's things that we didn't know that we're learning, um, and it's important. Uh, to remember our own limitations, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's and that's on all sides of the spectrum. I find myself um, specifically down a, a certain um, a certain train or school of school of thinking of um, what a lot of people would call anti-racism work, right? This this idea around <laughs> there is a system. Uh, that still exists that that structurally um, harms bodies um, harms communities that disenfranchises some right um, mm -hmm. these become things that I'm passionate about as a as somebody who is a black body and is a Latino body um, but I need to remember that when I begin to fight unfair, um, when I stop being curious around what is it that makes somebody that thinks very different from me um, 
think about this thing that for me it's like yo that is a crazy um insane idea that you would think that that's true uh when i stop getting curious about what breeds that in people um then in some ways i lose the soulfulness even of my own activism right um and it's and it even and and what that and if that's a can that if we kick it down the road um if there's no empathy in my activism then i could very easily dehumanize my enemy and the dehumanization of my enemy that is the first step Brene brown talks a lot about this i've quoted this book so many times uh brave in the wilderness Brene brown she wrote it a few years ago um and it is become for me one of the most relevant books of these past two years um but she goes into the whole psychology of dehumanizing something someone and how that can take you on this road where you can destroy them without seeing them as a human right it's the psychology behind slavery it's the you know it's the psychology around even even when you're when when it's time for you to defend yourself from somebody that is a predator to you right you have to mm-hmm. see them as a predator for you to destroy them right um yeah. and again that's something i'm holding i'm saying that without any without any judgment um but in my activism now um the moment I dehumanize my enemy, right? Um, that's the moment that um, that I dehumanize myself, um, and that's the moment when I go into the shallow uh, place uh, of change, right? Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, tell me, tell me more about that. The anti-racist work that you do you you brought that up before we were recording about Mm -hmm. you said that you were talking about that from like a somatic place and i really like the way you're talking about it with not dehumanizing the enemy or you dehumanize yourself that reminds me of this book that i'm reading right now that i don't think i have the time to really deep dive into what it is but it's called scythe and you should check it out just a little side note okay. <laughs> it reminds me of what you're saying it's a science fiction book but it's really really fascinating mm. um but yeah tell me more about tell me more about that world of activism and anti-racist work and what is that like for you yeah so first you know i think your audience might be a little bit verse because you because you bring in a lot of a lot of guests that talk about um a a somatic approach to living to to trauma um and this this idea of not approaching trauma from um from just the head um but also approaching it from the body so um um those feelings gut feelings what trauma does to to our body so um trying to settle our bodies trying to be more aware of our physical body um as a way to uh ground ourselves, right um mm-hmm. the yoga or just generalized movement breath work those become things um dance right all, the, all those things right there's like as the base yeah. for um for just uh somatic work uh so 
I'm fortunate to be uh, training with a group of we we call ourselves somatic abolitionists, and um, Resma Menicum is actually um, is actually our teacher. He's the writer of um, My Grandmother's Hands, um, and yeah, and we work with these different intelligences of the body because a lot of times when we're talking about um when we're talking about racism um the system of it right we go straight to statistics and data and i think that's something that we just generally do in the western uh side of the world very specifically in america it's like well the the data says this, right? As a response to um, somebody saying, hey, this is the experience I had, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a place for data, um, but there are more intelligences than just the intelligence of um, analysis um, and graphs and grids, right? Um, we talk a lot about this, these gut feelings, that that is another form of intelligence, right? So the intelligence in the body, the intelligence of a somatic awareness of what was the vibe, what was the energy behind that whole interaction? Um, what are the urges that happen inside of me um, when they say or do those things? when i watch that thing that happens on the on the news right when somebody takes a vi- a video of somebody getting their neck kneeled on and then they die as a result of that and i watched it right what's ha- what where do i want to where does my body naturally want to go when i experience that right mm-hmm. um what's the meaning that i'm making what are some of the images that I'm seeing, you know, all of these other parts that say I'm going to approach this thing that I'm experiencing and I'm going to work it from these different uh, from these different intelligences and, and areas and these different types of wisdom. And I think that's important because uh, racism itself is one of the most violent forms of um of body trauma, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because it literally took bodies and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna steal you from your land that grounded you, um, and we're gonna take you somewhere else, and we're gonna work you until you die, and we're gonna make you three fourths of a human." Right? Um, mm-hmm. That becomes that becomes a lot of the base of it, and then we see remnants of that carried in this society. So the trauma of it, right? The trauma of um, systems of racism or inequality or, um, you know, sexism, all of these, all of these different, um, all of these different things have, have a, traumatic impact on the way you show up in the world, the way you show up to yourself, right? And we learn behaviors um, to survive in this body, 
right? Um, whether it's being performative, whether it's <laughs> being aggressive, whether it's being withdrawn, we learn these behaviors as ways to survive. So in somatic abolitionists, we say, hey, how can we learn how to settle our own bodies with this stuff? Um, how do we start with within, right? And then live that out and change the way people are experiencing um, the world based on my settled body and the shared language that I'm creating now um, with this group of people. Um, we were, before we started recording, um, I've been listening a lot to the late uh, Congressman uh, John Lewis. He was, uh, he died last year and he was one of the speakers at the, at the March on Washington when MLK gave his I Have a Dream speech. And he was the first one to get beaten at the march in Selma um, on Bloody Sunday, right? He was arrested 40 times, over 40 plus times for civil disobedience. And he talks about how he had to get his mind, his body, and his spirit ready for whatever was going to come. And he has this and he has this idea um, that I love, and it's a big pillar for me of what, I, what I've been coining soulful activism. Um, he says, there's this African proverb, when you pray, move your feet, right? And it's this idea of there is this contemplative nature of, hey, we need divine intervention and we need to come together around these words and these ideas, but we also need to go out and do something about it as well, mm. right? We, we have to get our bodies involved. I can't just stay on my phone and tweet the thing that I want to see changed and repost and, again, think that that is a soulful way of making change, Right. And I'm not knocking people who repost stuff, right? Like, <laughs> no, do <laughs> do that. But like, don't expect that that is the deep way of bringing change. That that's the soulful way of bringing change. Uh, How can I get my body now with the bodies of the people that are being victimized by the things that I'm fighting for, right? Um, if I care about mass incarceration, um, am I engaging with the prisoner? Um, if I care about <laughs> women's rights and, and health and all of these things around abortion, am I being with the woman who is in this difficult moment? Right. And that's on both sides of the spectrum, whether, you know, whatever side you fall on on that. Um, am I. Is my body going to be in the same space with 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 her body? Am I going to be someone who isn't just tweeting something out, but is actually doing life with the people, with the victims, with the wounded, with the hurting? 
right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah. I can go down this. <laughs> I can go down this rabbit hole uh, oh, so yeah. far. Oh, I love, I love that proverb. I wrote it down. When you pray, move your feet. That is so powerful. It actually, it reminds me, I'm going to just go to your Instagram really quick because it reminds me of something that you posted. Ah, your, oh, the last thing you posted. You said, uh, what's wrong with the world today? And Chesterson said, dear sir, I am. Oh and I think goodness. that that, oh, when I saw that, it reminded me of so many, just so many important things about everything that you're talking about. Everything that you are about, like, what do you, oh, I don't even know what the right way of putting it all is, but you already did so, so beautifully. It's just so important to, how you said, put your body with the bodies that you're, that you're fighting for. Is that how you said it? Yeah, I, I, you probably said it better than me. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, but essentially, that, but essentially, yeah, like, that, that, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really, really cool. My gosh. Okay. There, as there always is, so many places that I want to go when I'm talking with you. I'm really, really happy that we touched on that last topic. Um, well, you guys are the uh, the somatic abolitionists, you said? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the coolest name for, like, a group of people Yeah, so, ever. yeah, and I, I, I love the group. Um for me, it's given me so much. So, um, Resma, um, Resma, he he actually has a group for um, he has a group for for black bodies. He has a group uh-huh. for white bodies and indigenous bodies, um, where we can be in the same spaces with each other and work through that and work through this stuff um, together. So. Yeah, I'm I'm with the I'm with the Black Bodies group. Um my wife is you know in the White Bodies group and it's it's been it's been so good to have not just language to process um in fact, I've I've been thinking a lot about we use a lot of words, you know, um, a lot of empty ones. Um, but you know, my my parents told me to do a lot of things, um, and I ended up doing more of the things that I saw them do. Right. Um, so. I think about that with this work that having practices to um, show up in my body in a way that the way that I move through the world that people can catch it and that I don't have to talk about it all the time but that there is a settling that happens when I come in a room Um, Mm. that there is a a kindness, a goodness um, that happens that that that's very countercultural to to what we experience right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I heard um, Kristen Bell talking about 
something similar on her podcast. I can't remember the exact phrase she used, but it's like a way to describe um, the act of like saying all the big things like, oh, I'm going to change the world and this, I'm going to like beat the hunger, like all the really big things, but not actually like, or you could like do that or you could, or you could say that or you could just like do that and show it with actions and types of things. And it really, it really made me think for a hot minute about a lot of things. And so I'm happy that you brought that up here too. It's really important. So Chris, thank you so much, so, so much for just sharing your, your knowledge and your wisdom and your story and listening to my banter in response and my questions and stuff. It's always so much fun and so just life-giving to get to talk about this stuff with you. Yeah, no, the, I feel the same way and I'm so grateful. Um, there are some good things that I got out of this pandemic and you are one of them. So, yeah. so thank you Aww. and, and keep, keep doing the, the good work. Keep, being curious about these ideas and I'm just I'm grateful for the opportunity to just share my heart and and be in a safe space to do so yeah that's awesome thank you Chris I feel the same I feel the same about you I um I don't know I've, I've brought up our conversations a handful of times to Kaylee and it's just been it's been really fun kind of being on the same team as you on the internet world and whatever other worlds there are and just trying to do this stuff um chris you know since you've been on this before you know what i'm going to ask next kind of right yeah yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know the general idea i know the general idea <laughs> okay i've been kind of brainstorming throughout the conversation i always end up in this position where i forget i'm gonna ask a would you rather question until right before i ask it and i'm like trying to be prepared but it just never works so let's see what happens here um chris would you rather your mode of transportation be a rocking horse uh it moves fast like a car like it's got like wheels and stuff it can be a car a bike anything but, but, it, it, but it's does a does rock back and forth Indeed. Okay. Indeed. And okay. it looks like, it's like the old, I'm, I, I asked that because there's a rocking horse next to me in this room that I'm in right now. And I'm like, that'd be fun to wonder about. It's got like the, um, and just the shaggy hair, just a very classic. The classic, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this thing, it takes you everywhere. It, you can go fast. Like if you were going to race some kid in like a Corvette or something, it's like revving his engine at you, you'd beat him. Like, it's the perfect ride, but it is a rocking horse, and you just have to deal with that. Or, or, would you rather your new career, no, not your new career, your, you take on another career. It doesn't, like, put stress on the current stuff you're doing right now. It's just this extra, like, cool thing that you're now doing is becoming a band but everyone in your band is a parrot and there's a lot of drama you guys get pretty big you have like a lot of streams on spotify and stuff but you're dealing with a bunch of parrots trying to get everyone to agree trying to get everyone to like write a song that sounds good 
you're very successful. You make decent money. People know you and your band, but they're just a bunch of parents. I probably will go with the rocking horse. I am a Enneagram nine. I don't want no drama. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. give me my rocking horse. The rocking calm. horse. Okay, okay. This <laughs> is perfect. That's amazing. That's amazing. Kaylee, he said, did you hear my question? He said the rocking horse because he's an Enneagram nine and he doesn't want any drama. <laughs> she loves it. She's she's nodding. <laughs> um I I see that I feel like honestly I would totally go with the parrots because I'm an Enneagram seven. And yeah. it sounds like quite the experience. <laughs> oh man. That's Oh my gosh. That is so good. <laughs> I'm happy to hear I'm happy to hear your thoughts and I'm happy that we got to talk about a rocking horse because this is the first one I've seen in a very long time. Hey. Those things are dope, and especially now it's like everybody's into vintage, you know. Oh yeah. So why not a rocking horse? Make that sell that at urban out for he's so cool he has a rocking horse absolutely okay new new business plan we're we're having it my gosh well chris how how can people find your podcast how can people find you where do you want to tell people to go okay so the podcast is the soulfully you podcast with coach chris rodriguez you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts you can also um, find it on my website and you can find all of my coaching programs at coachchrisrodriguez.com and I'm pretty active on Instagram at coach underscore Chris Rodriguez those are the places you can find me I would love it if you listen listen to the podcast especially next week's episode where I got to interview Jackie and it was great Mm -hmm. yeah it was a good time I got to remember what it was like to answer questions instead of asking them for a second (laughs) definitely go check that out and follow Chris and read all of his work and listen to his listen to his interviews check mine out give me notes tell me what you'd like me to what you'd like me to do and say next time if so differently (laughs) but um chris it's been so much fun let's do this again let's meet up let's get coffee let's go learn how to surf or something i know i don't know yeah you're in in california now so come on yeah we'll be up there like i said we'll be up there eventually i i'm hoping that kaylee gets a job in in oregon but either way we will be coming up north so we'll be passing you by and we'll definitely be stopping to get some hangs in okay i love it you are always welcome thank you and i gotta meet mamba hearing his bark in the background just sounded exactly like our dog leo and it made me so happy oh yeah he's right now he is in the corner of my room just he's curled up legs sprawled out on the wall and you can hear him when he like rolls over his like nails like kind of scratch the wall a little bit (laughs) and he's just He's my little shadow, and he's just rocking with me uh, while I'm on these calls. I love it. That's awesome. Does he have really, really long claws? Yeah, yeah. Okay, like weirdly long. Okay, I didn't know if it was like a pit bull thing, because Leo has like huge claws. We tried to cut him once, and like we, you know, we cut the, we got 
we cut him wrong and started bleeding and we were like yeah we we like horrified and we never did it again but we uh (laughs) we we take them to a doggy daycare and they have a grooming service so when they get too long we're just like yeah you can you can trim those nails oh my gosh kaylee's sister is a works at a a vet clinic and so her and kaylee are like very much just anything that I've ever wondered about how to take care of a dog. They're on it. So they have like the clippers and the Dremel and they, the little quick, quick stop or whatever for it starts bleeding. It's so, it's very helpful and convenient with having three dogs and a pit bull with very long nails. My gosh, we could go on about that. I, okay, this is a, let's wrap up and then I'll tell you this when we get out the recording. <laughs> I'm about to just go on. Chris, thank you so much. Uh, I will talk to you soon after I hit stop recording. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) If you enjoyed listening to the Unity Project podcast and you want to support me and get more involved in what I'm doing, then you can totally do that by checking out my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash JackieGTV. That is where you can join my team and donate as little as $1 a month to this project. Or if you want to read my book and find out more about my story and how I ended up here, I guess, uh, you can read my book, Finding Home. All the links for those things will be in the description box below. And if those things are not possible, just leaving a simple review anywhere you listen to this podcast is so appreciated. Thank you so much.